Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wednesday, November 16th, 2022, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado, and we are back for another week of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, happy Wednesday to you. I hope your week is going well. Hope you, your family, your friends, I hope you're all staying strong and healthy right now. Hey, we are inching our way through this week. We are halfway through, almost to another weekend, and then... We are on to a holiday week, a number of things coming very, very quickly right now. The elections are now over here in the United States, and we've settled absolutely nothing whatsoever. Honestly, I think we're more divided now than ever. So again, I know I say it every week, but stay strong, stay mentally strong, as well as physically strong, despite the fact that we are being told over and over to be unhappy by pretty much everyone out there. Speaking of being unhappy, and I really do, I hate to start the podcast on a sad note. The most horrifying story of the week comes to us from Charlottesville, Virginia, where police have in custody a University of Virginia student and ex-Virginia football player suspected of fatally shooting three current players and wounding two other people. This was late on Sunday at the school main's campus in Charlottesville as a bus returned from a class field trip. That is according to school officials. The suspect, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., faces three charges of second-degree murder and three counts of using a handgun in the commission of a felony. That is what university police officers are saying. And I said that this relates to sports, and, and I hate to have this you know story be our lead story, But these are Virginia football players. Now, there's no way I'm going to comment on this because facts are still coming out. But this is a horrifying story. And our thoughts are with all those affected back in Virginia. And I know that that probably connects everywhere. Affected all over. But that is a terrible story. Sorry to lead with that. Have to get that one out of the way. Let's move over to some actual football news where the third college football playoff rankings did come out last night. We now have the Georgia Bulldogs at number one. The Ohio State Buckeyes are number two. The Michigan Wolverines are number three. And the Texas Christian Horn Frogs, who just had to sneak past Texas last week, they are number four. Tennessee, who has a really good resume, but they do have that loss at Georgia, is number five. Number six is LSU, who has two losses, one to Tennessee 
and one to Florida State in the opener. They sit at number six. Number seven is the University of Southern California, who, don't forget, they only have one loss, and it was a one-point loss to Utah. Number eight is two-loss Alabama, who is currently ahead of one loss, number nine, Clemson. Committee not respecting Clemson too much. And then we have number 10, Utah, finishing out that top 10. You know, when I look at these rankings right now, the biggest thing that is standing out to me is when we get down to the Final Four and we get down to the committee picking the teams going to the college football playoff, someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to be big mad. Because does the loser of the Ohio State versus Michigan game get left out? Possibly. Does Tennessee get left out? They can't play in the SEC championship game, but they only have the one loss. Does the committee respect USC or the Pac-12 at all? Right now, it kind of doesn't look like they do. Could LSU win out and play their way in despite having two losses and one of them to Tennessee? I think that is at least possible. I would assume Georgia's getting in. The winner of Ohio State, Michigan, is getting in. And then, I mean, you had better hold on for dear life because Texas Christian, I could see them slipping up at any time. A number of crazy things still coming in college football. Now, we talked about a lot of people being unhappy this week. No doubt about it. But one group of people that is actually very happy this week are those old geezers that played for the 72 Miami Dolphins who are tipping back a toast of Miralax this week. And in those days, Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them. Because we no longer have any undefeated teams in the NFL. Yes, the Washington Commanders took out the last remaining unbeaten team as they beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night, 32-21. to And now, we're starting to hear about all of the flaws that the Eagles actually have. Hey, they have flaws. We know that. We knew that already. And yet, remember, it did take a game that Philly turned it over four times. And Washington still needed a few favorable calls from the officials to get it. But here's the question. Are we figuring anything out in the NFL yet? I still think we need a lot more time. How much do we believe in the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, they just beat the Buffalo Bills this week in the best game of the year so far. They're now 8-1. and one. And yet, I mean, it is Kirk Cousins, right? Do we really trust him to win anything? Probably not. The Miami Dolphins are 7-3. and three. They're on top of the AFC East. But can they play any defense? And can they score when we get to that playoff weather? Which we know back on the East Coast can get nasty. The New York Giants are 7-2, and two, but Daniel Jones is their quarterback. And on the other side, we have some teams that are off to slow starts, and they're kind of heating up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have now won two in a row. In fact, since Tom Brady got divorced from Giselle, they have now won two games in a row. Is that a coincidence? I'm not so sure. And do you realize this? Tom Brady is now 4-0 and in international games? Yeah, this last week, the Buccaneers beat the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday in a very raucous stadium in Germany. So Brady upped his record in international games to 4-0. and Of course, he is just 
0-1 in international marriages. The Los Angeles Rams have now lost three games in a row. Cooper Cup is headed to the IR. Starting to look like they are done. And then we have the Las Vegas Raiders, who we weren't expecting to do much, let's be honest. But man, they have just completely collapsed. Remember when the Raiders were in the playoffs just last year? And remember they had interim head coach Rich Basaccia. And when the season ended, Mark Davis was like, no, Basaccia is not a big enough name. We're going to go get the real guy. We're going to go get the guy that's going to take us to the Super Bowl. Just making the playoffs, that's not good enough. We're going to go get the guy. So they go out and they hire the New England Patriots, longtime offensive coordinator. And now, under Josh McDaniels, the Las Vegas Raiders just lost to the Indianapolis Colts. And their brand new head coach, Jeff Saturday, who literally has never coached at this level. In fact, he's only coached at the high school level. However, as bad as that sounds, and I know we saw the Raiders very upset. Fans want Josh McDaniels fired. Quarterback Derek Carr is crying in his press conference. Wide receiver Devontae Adams, he's very upset. A lot of people really, really not happy with the way the Raiders season has gone. I'm just going to tell you this, and you know, I'm no Raider fan, but I'm going to give you some hope. I'm going to give you some good news. Don't give up hope just yet. Don't give up quite yet. You're not done. And I'm not even joking. I'm not even being sarcastic. Because you get to play my Denver Broncos this week, and I'll promise you this, that is going to fix everything for you. Hey, before we jump in today, I just want to remind you, be sure you're stopping by DailyDoseSports.com, where we have new articles going up every week. We have links to the podcast. We have links to the videos. And yes, we even have links to that Daily Dose gear. Like I said, the holiday season is coming. Do you need to pick up something for that special person in your life? Well, hey, you can go get t-shirts, sweatshirts. You can get them in whatever color that you want. You can pick up a Daily Dose hoodie. You could get a Daily Dose coffee mug, a number of items. Plus, we've got new articles going up at DailyDoseSports.com. I'm putting up a local article on Tuesdays. Young Jimmy will drop an article on Thursdays. And you can find links to whatever it is that you need that is Daily Dose flavored. Make sure that you stop by DailyDoseSports.com at least once a week, maybe even a little bit more. Hey, today on the show, we have some more news stories that we want to discuss. But then the college basketball season, yeah, somehow it's already here. We're going to be taking a very quick look at what to expect this season. Plus, has your favorite NFL team season started the way that you wanted? I know that we're halfway through, but how's that all going for you? Maybe your team's struggling a little bit. Well, we have an encouraging Daily Dose Top 5 for you today. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. The NFL actually announced this past week that they will be honoring the late John Madden who passed away last December. They're going to be honoring him every Thanksgiving beginning this year. They say that each Thanksgiving game will have a Madden player of the game, which will be picked by the broadcast team of each matchup. The league will then donate $10,000 to a youth or high school football program of that player's choice. There will be a special John Madden Thanksgiving logo placed at the 25-yard lines of each game this year on Thanksgiving, and a sticker on the back of each player's helmet 
with an iconic image of John Madden. Encroachment, heck. That's more encroachment when you, when you go that far. Yeah. When you're the big, big old big cat, you, you got all this stuff going. You go whap, 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 whap. That's more than encroachment. No one cared more or contributed more to our game than John Madden. That is what NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said last week. Honoring his memory and impact on the NFL is important. And Thanksgiving Day brings all of the elements significant to John to life. Family, football, food, and fun. Of course, Madden coached the then Oakland Raiders to a Super Bowl XI victory back in 1977. But after coaching only 10 seasons, he moved to the broadcast booth. He worked for all the networks that are broadcasting games on Thanksgiving, CBS, Fox, and NBC. He actually called 20 games on the Thanksgiving holiday. And Madden started the Thanksgiving tradition of giving out a turkey leg to the star of the game that he was calling. Reggie White of the Philadelphia Eagles at the time was the first recipient of Madden's gift back in 1989 after the Eagles had beaten the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm sure when they make this logo and they have this patch or whatever, they're going to use a photo of Madden, I don't know, maybe on the sideline, maybe in the booth, or maybe he's getting carried off the field after that Super Bowl win, you know, fist in the air. But I'm telling you this right now, and this is just me personally, if he either doesn't have a turkey leg in his hand or they don't use that picture from the original Madden video game where he looked like the Kool-Aid man busting through that wall, then what's the point of any of this? That would be the perfect logo to put on the field. Have John Madden look like he's bursting through the field. That would be amazing. But I just bet the NFL is going to screw this up, aren't they? Finally, in the NBA, hey, we all know that Brooklyn Nets superstar Kyrie Irving, he's completely out of his mind, right? From his Looney Tunes views on Flat Earth and his Nazi sympathies or whatever that fool is doing now, we can all agree that Kyrie, he's like nuttier than a squirrel turd, right? I get it. Maybe this guy has like COVID brain or something. I don't know. Maybe. And this is just my personal theory. Maybe Kyrie has always been told that he was really smart, like his entire life. And he's now a raging narcissist that thinks he knows everything. Remember, just a brief side note, parents, I know we think that low self-esteem is bad. And it can be. But trust me on this, high self-esteem might be worse. Remember this. The guy knocking off the 7-Eleven, he doesn't suffer from low self-esteem. He suffers from way too high self-esteem because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. I'm just kind of lobbing out that free advice for you. But Kyrie Irving might have the highest self-esteem on the planet. I don't know why. And, you know, it's costing him, one, his sanity, and it's costing him his job because the NBA has suspended him for his wacky views and some of the stupid things he said and some of the things that he's supporting. Not to mention a number of major companies with big money contracts and sponsors are pulling their paychecks in an effort to distance themselves from this nutcase. And yet, after Nike founder Phil Knight said Kyrie Irving had stepped over the line, you know, when Kyrie shared that anti-Semitic film on Twitter, Nike cut their $11 million deal with Kyrie. But when that happened, Boston Celtics star 
Jalen Brown asked a very good question. Brown put on Twitter something that many of us were thinking. He said, since when does Nike care about ethics? And you know, Jalen Brown makes a really good point. Because the multi-billion dollar company loves calling out problems in America. And yet we know they bend the knee to China, where the CCP is currently accused of committing genocide against the Muslim population there, saying that it's a brand that is China. I don't know what you want us to do about it. They've got no problem cutting ties with Kyrie Irving over a Twitter post. Oh, but they don't dare take a stand against China's human rights abuses. They're not going to say a word about that. Like I said, personally, I think Kyrie is a narcissistic idiot. But since when is Nike, or even the NBA, the moral standard? I mean, the NBA bends the knee to China. And Nike, we all know why Chinese kids don't believe in Santa Claus. Because they make the toys, right? They also make the shoes, don't they? Hey, these two companies telling us what to think and what we should feel. Yeah, it's pretty laughable. I'm not justifying what Kyrie is doing. He's a moron. And yet, I don't know that those companies have any room to point any fingers. Okay, coming back. The 2022-2023 college basketball season is already upon us. We are already seeing big matchups. We are already seeing big-time performances. But what should we expect from this season? Who are the top teams? Who are the top players? What changes are in store this year? We all know we don't really care about college basketball until March, but it might not be a bad idea to know how this season is going to go before we get that far. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2022-2023 college basketball season tipped off last week. And while I realize we really don't care that much about college hoops until March. It's not like college football or the NFL where we're just all in every week all the time. We don't care. And I know that they say, well, we don't care because there's an end-of-year tournament. And so why care? And if they get an end-of-year tournament in college football, we won't care about the regular season there either. It's not quite the same. It's just that in college hoops especially, it's more of a regionalized following. You follow your team a little more closer than the national team, and there's so many games, and there's so many teams at that level that it's hard to follow every single team. And so I understand we're not all invested yet in college hoops, but we should at least have an idea of what to expect as you're right. That way, when it does come time, and we do reach March Madness, and you are filling out those brackets, you're a little more ready than usual. If you don't pay attention at all, you might turn on a game and go, oh, wow, Creighton is beating Georgetown. What an upset. Well, if you listen to the Daily Dose, 
you knew full well that was going to happen. So right now, let's take a very quick tour of the college basketball landscape this year. And of course, one of the biggest storylines to watch this season is the fact that so many programs have replaced longtime head coaches over the last year or two. And we know in college basketball, where kids come and go all the time, like they're barely there a year for the most part. So what do we look at? You can't look at a, a team and say, well, who are all their players? All four of them are back again this year. That rarely happens. What we do is we say, well, we know that coach. And so we know the kind of program he runs. We know kind of what they're going to do based on that coach. Well, I mean, gone are North Carolina's Roy Williams. Gone is Duke's Mike Krzyzewski. Oklahoma's Long Kruger has retired. Villanova's Jay Wright is not coaching basketball anymore. Huber Davis took over for Roy Williams last year at North Carolina. And he actually took the Tar Heels to the national championship game where they lost to Kansas. Former Duke player John Shire took over for Coach K at Duke. And I just don't know how you take over for a legend. Like, I think Shire will be okay. But that's going to be pretty challenging. Porter Mosier left a Loyola Chicago program that he had built into a national power. He takes over for Long Kruger at Oklahoma. And former Jay Wright assistant Kyle Neptune left Fordham. He goes back to Villanova and he will take over one of the best programs in the Big East that Jay Wright built up. But, you know, we've talked about this before at the Dose. You could be the guy after the guy after the guy, but it's hard to be the guy after the guy. Because all of these coaches have really, really big shoes to fill. And I can't believe that they're all going to hit a thousand percent, right? Like some of them are going to stumble at least a little bit. So new coaches, always a big story in college basketball. This year with some legends stepping away, even more of a story. Another story this year in college hoops. We are so used to big name players in college basketball bolting for the NBA that we're kind of shocked when they don't go. In fact, it kind of hurts their stock. We look at them like, well, what's wrong with you? Are you not good enough to go to the NBA? Is there a problem with your game? But now, with the new name and like this money out there, we are seeing some players stick around in the college ranks to develop their game and get a little better. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Kentucky National Player of the Year, big man Oscar Shibway, he's back. Hey, only Ralph Sampson back in 82 and Tyler Hansborough back in 2008 have come back after winning the National Player of the Year. It just doesn't happen. But Sheboy's back with Kentucky. Gonzaga big man Drew Timmy is back for, I don't know, like his 15th, 16th year. How long has that guy been up at Gonzaga? Forever. But he's back. North Carolina big man Armando Baycott, he helped lead Carolina to that title game last year. He's back. You might also notice that big men are kind of coming back in style. Talked about a few big men right there. But Tracy Jackson Davis is back at Indiana. Seven foot one Hunter Dickinson returns to Michigan. And gigantic seven foot four big man Zach Eady, he's back at Purdue. Not only are a number of players starting to stay in college, a lot of big guys are becoming the next big thing in college. Kind of seeing a return to big man basketball. Yes, they play differently than what like I grew up watching as far as big men. But we are seeing big men get back in the game a little bit. 
be interesting to see how those big men turn out this year. Okay, so who are the teams to watch this year in college hoops? We have some really good teams that are going to be contenders, and you just know how March Madness goes. There are going to be some teams that come completely out of nowhere and surprise everyone. But right now, let's look at the top contenders this year in college basketball. And if I were making my top four, I guess, my pick, I guess, final four-wise, then I would go with these four teams. The North Carolina Tar Heels, like I said, they went all the way to the national title game last year, but they lost to Kansas in that championship game. But hey, head coach Hubert Davis, he returns a ton. The Heels return four starters from that squad. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, they are one of the most dynamic backcourts in college basketball. Leaky Black, he's one of the best defenders in the country. Now, the one drawback about North Carolina, they will once again face the challenge of not having a whole lot of bench production. They're really top-heavy. They don't have a lot of depth. But UNC, oh, they're going to be very, very good. Another season. And yeah, guess what? Big surprise. The Gonzaga Bulldogs will once again be in the hunt for a title. Head coach Mark Few has Drew Timmy. He has Julian Strother. He has Rasir Bolton. And we know that when you think about it, Gonzaga, they haven't won the title. But they are maybe the most consistent team over like the past decade or so. They are always in the hunt for the Final Four every year. Unfortunately, we also know that every year they come up short. And we all have to wonder if that soft conference they play in just fails to get them tournament ready. But can Few and Gonzaga finally finish with a championship? Hey, they're going to have a chance. They're going to be in it. I guarantee it. They are that good. The Houston Cougars are one of the top teams in the country. Again, senior guard Marcus Sasser, he returns for head coach Kelvin Sampson. And the Cougars, they are not afraid to do dirty work. And I think that bodes well for them. They will play defense, they will rebound, and most important of everything, they play hard every single night. You know, it's funny. We kind of take that for granted, especially in basketball, but just playing hard, it hides a lot of flaws. Like, you could miss an assignment, but because you're just flying around, the other team doesn't notice it. They don't see it, and they can't take advantage of it. You get to every loose ball, you come up with more possessions than your opponent, And while some of these top teams, you know, we talked about Carolina, we talked about Gonzaga, some of them, they are really top-heavy. They only go six, maybe seven deep off that bench. That's not the case with Houston. Kelvin Sampson, he can go eight, nine deep, and he can spell those players that are flying around doing the dirty work. The question for Houston, can they score enough points? Can they shoot it well enough? Can they make their free throws? If so... No, the Houston Cougars are legit a national championship contender. My last Final Four team that I would put in there, when you return the National Player of the Year, you got to be a contender, don't you? But you know, the Kentucky Wildcats, they have more than just Oscar Shibway, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, Damian Collins. They are all back for head coach John Calipari. And while we know at times, when the talent is even, when the opponent has the same talent, as Kentucky or wherever he's at. John Calipari, uh, sometimes he gets a little bit outcoached against the top coaches. Hey, this roster is absolutely loaded with those veterans, but also with the usual talented freshman classes. 
that Cal always seems to land. Now, Kentucky legitimately might have the best roster in the country. The question, again, for Kentucky, will Cal get out coached? Hey, we saw last year, he got out coached by the guy from St. Peter's. It can happen. But can Kentucky shoot it well enough? Can they shoot from distance? Can they make free throws? Kentucky would be my last Final Four team. They are loaded. We'll see if just that talent is enough to get them by. Okay, we're not going to drill down on the conferences like we do for college football. No one cares that much. I get it. But we want to do a real quick look at the major conferences and who are the contenders for those big conferences. And let's start off in the ACC, where we already told you that the North Carolina Tar Heels, they are one of the biggest dogs in the country. They should be the winner of this conference. But if Duke doesn't fall off the map, we know they've got a ton of talent. They should be in the hunt. And we know that Leonard Hamilton and Florida State, they are always just kind of tough and kind of nasty. And they personify Hamilton and how he just goes out and grinds. I like Florida State this year. Tony Bennett and the Virginia Cavaliers, they should be very good again. They've taken a step back over the last couple of years, but Virginia will be back. And one team to kind of keep an eye on this year, and you know if you listen to The Dose, I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. Hey, the Fighting Irish, they might be sneaky this year. Head coach Mike Bray, he's got a team that he likes, and we know when Bray likes his teams, they can score some big-time points. Keep an eye on Notre Dame this year. They might end up being a little bit better than expected. We move to the Big 12. And who else can we talk about but the defending champion Kansas Jayhawks, who seem to win this conference every single year. Hey, with head coach Bill Self, you know the Jayhawks can score points. He's got big-time recruits. He knows how to drop offenses. And you also know Kansas will probably be doing some things that are illegal. And then the NCAA will really crack down on them and not do anything. So Kansas, definitely the favorite of the Big 12. But the Baylor Bears, they're always in the hunt. Really like Baylor. Look out for TCU. Head coach Jamie Dixon, he's got a nice squad down there that's long. They're pretty good too. Texas should be a tournament team. And it's going to take a little while to get his kids to buy in to his philosophy. But I just bet that the Oklahoma Sooners are going to improve in the second part of the season under head coach Porter Mosier, the problem for Mosier, you've got to get kids to buy into playing defense, to buy into playing really smart, efficient basketball. That's going to take some time, but I bet Oklahoma gets better as the year progresses. This isn't football. So in basketball, we've got to talk about the Big East. And you know, when we say the Big East, you might think of like, I don't know, Syracuse or Georgetown, if you remember the 80s at all. But that was it. That was a long time ago. This year, you had better watch those Creighton Blue Jays. They have seven foot one big man Ryan Kalkenbrenner. They can shoot it from distance. Creighton will be very good, and they just might be good enough to win it all. Villanova should still be a tournament team. I know they're replacing Jay Wright, and that may take a little time to recover, but Villanova still has a ton of talent. Butler, Xavier, they should both be tournament teams. I really like the Providence Friars, though. The job that head coach Ed Cooley does every single year, again, he just gets his kids to play hard. He gets them to play smart. Ed Cooley is one of the best coaches in the country. And another team you might want to kind of keep an eye on in the Big East, St. John's. St. John's might be a little bit sneaky. They've got some talent there as well. We know where they play. 
they can pull some very, very good players. We move next to the Big Ten. And here's a really odd thing to think about in college hoops this year. The Big Ten currently doesn't have a single team in the top ten. How weird is that? We always have a Big Ten representative, usually in the top three or four. They don't have one in the top ten. In fact, Indiana, they're the highest ranked team from the Big Ten, and they're at number 13. But that doesn't mean this conference won't eventually get there. Like I said, Indiana will be tough. My pick to win this conference would probably be the Michigan Wolverines. They should eventually be good. They had some pieces to replace, but as those kids grow up, Michigan should get back to it. We all know the job that Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo does. We saw them this past weekend play Gonzaga very tough. And then you saw Michigan State actually beat Kentucky last night in double overtime. You know, Tom Izzo, I don't know how he does it. He just gets his teams to play tough, to play hard, to grind. And you see them come out and in a game, they shouldn't be able to hang with Gonzaga. They did. They shouldn't be able to beat Kentucky. They did. That is just what Tom Izzo does. That is what Michigan State does under him. I know we don't have a Big Ten team in the top 10 just yet. It's just a matter of time because you can see these guys can coach. You can see Tom Izzo is going to coach his boys up and they're just going to improve all season. He gets his kids to play tough. He gets them to rebound. He gets them to play defense. Michigan State will be okay. And Purdue head coach Matt Painter, he seems to generate quality teams every year. They know how to score. Like I said before, he's got his gigantic center back. So the Big Ten, they don't have any like elite teams just yet. They're going to be tough as usual. We shift over to the Pac-12, and the conference that we love to poke fun at, they don't have a ton of teams that are tournament hopefuls, but the ones they do have, they are legitimate contenders. This kind of is weird for me to say, but the Pac-12 could be like a Final Four type conference this year. They could be a national contender, and mostly it is because of UCLA. UCLA is once again the big dog in this conference. They return senior point guard Tiger Campbell. UCLA is a title contender. They are that good. At least they should be. But Arizona, going to be tough. Oregon, very tough. We know USC gets a ton of recruits. They should make a push for the tournament. The Pac-12, they don't have the depth that some of these other conferences do, but the top teams in that conference, no, they're really, really good. They're literally national title contenders. We finish up in the SEC, where nearly half of the league has brand new head coaches. Think about this. Chris Jams takes over at Mississippi State. Lamont Paris is now at South Carolina. Todd Golden goes to Florida from San Francisco. Matt McMahon takes over at LSU. He's having a hard time getting players. Mike White left Florida and went to Georgia, Florida's rival. Can you imagine how those Florida-Georgia games are going to be this year? Especially when Georgia goes to Gainesville? Yeah, Mike White is going to have a rough night. And then Dennis Gates takes over at Missouri. So a lot of new coaches in the SEC. Of course, we talked about Kentucky. They are the heavy favorite. But Tennessee has one of the best backcourts in the country. And I know over the weekend, we saw them actually drop one to Colorado, who I don't have a whole lot of faith in. Some of these early season battles, especially non-conference, 
they're not a true measure of what a team's going to do. You're going to see some of these teams slip up now and then, but don't mistake that for the fact that Tennessee can't play. Tennessee's going to be very, very good. But Arkansas, Mississippi State, Auburn, they should all be tournament teams. And speaking of Florida, Florida has a talented big man, kid named Colin Castleton. He just might be good enough to lead the Gators back to the big dance. We will see how the SEC shapes up. Okay, coming back, we flew through some of the best teams. We flew through some of the bigger stories, and we even rolled through some of the bigger conferences and told you how we think they are going to end up. But when we come back, we're going to give you a few teams that might not exactly be like blue blood programs, but you might want to keep in the back of your mind this year. And when we get into March Madness, you're going to say, oh, I remember that team's pretty good. I might want to write them in instead of that household name. They might end up pulling an upset. Plus, we need to get over to our Daily Dose Top 5. How is your favorite NFL team doing so far this year? You might be sitting there like I am and saying, yeah, season's not going so well. Going pretty poorly so far. Not winning very many games. I think we're done. And yet, when we look at our Daily Dose Top 5 today, I just might be able to give you a little encouragement The way these teams start isn't always the way that they are going to end up. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, why do we love college basketball? I know that college basketball doesn't rate as highly as college football in this country. Or, of course, the NFL, which is king. And yet, when it comes March, we love college hoops, right? But why? Well, I have to think a big part of it is the fact that unlike college football, you have a chance to see some of these Cinderella teams, right? You have a chance to see the upset. You might see St. Peter's beat a Kentucky. You might see a Lehigh beat a Duke. No way. This upset will never happen. How many upsets over the years have we seen in March Madness? Why? Because of those Cinderella's. Because of those teams that maybe are a little better than anyone thought. Maybe they come out of a small conference. Maybe they're a little more seasoned. They're a little more experienced than some of the bigger name, flashier programs. But one of the biggest things we love about March Madness, the upsets. The Cinderella stories. Well, I just gave you a number of the top teams. Teams I think are Final Four worthy. I gave you teams that are going to win the big conferences. But what about those small teams? What about those Cinderella teams? I know it's early right now. It's just November. It's just mid-November. Got a long season to go. And as the season unfolds, we're going to find some other teams. I guarantee it. There are going to be a couple teams out there that we're going to go, oh, I didn't see them to start the year. But man, they're really, really good. Maybe they're in a big conference and they're just not a big name. Or maybe, like what I'm going to give you right now, they're small conference teams They don't have the big name. They're not the big blue blood program. And yet, you better watch out for them 
because they just might meet up with you in the tournament and they just might end your season. Here are a few teams you might want to kind of watch this year and see how they progress because when you get to March, you might be going, oh, I know that team's actually pretty good. First up, a team that is not a big name, but the Drake Bulldogs, they won 25 games last year. And you know what? They returned five guys who are getting a lot of experience as starters from that team. Now, the Bulldogs play in the Missouri Valley. That's not a big conference. But Drake brings back four double-digit scorers and five players that were starters from that team that won 25 games last year. Keep an eye on Drake because one thing you can't teach, you can have talent, you can have all the big five-star recruits, but when the game gets tight and you have to get a stop, you have to get a rebound, or maybe you've got to hit a bucket, or you've got to knock down some free throws. No, give me the experience. Experience will pay off, and Drake has some experience. Next up, we've got the University of Alabama Birmingham squad, where Coach Andy Kennedy, he's kind of getting things going down in Birmingham. After going 27-8 and last year, UAB was actually a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament. Well, they bring back three starters, including national sensation, and I'm just going to tell you right now, one of the best names in college basketball, Jelly Walker. Hey, if you get a chance to watch Jelly Walker, going to be worth your time. But the Blazers have also hit the transfer portal hard, and it's paying off. They are going to be very, very tough. UAB plays in Conference USA, so you might not hear a whole lot about them, but I'm telling you right now, UAB is going to be a tough out when we get to the end of the year. Another team that's going to be very, very good, the Liberty Flames. Hey, if you're like a Liberty fan, or you're all about Liberty, you're in a pretty good run. Football program, pretty good. Basketball program, pretty good. The Liberty Flames returned most of their roster after going 22-11 and last year. The Flames finished second in the Atlantic Sun Conference in the regular season, but here's another reason to keep an eye on Liberty. They have got fifth-year senior Darius McGee, Darius McGee is going to score his 2,000th point this year for Liberty probably like any time now. He'll do it before the end of the year. And Darius McGee, he's only 5'9", but he averaged 25 points a game last year for that team that won 22 games. If you get a chance, and I know some nights you're kind of creeping through the channels, if you see Liberty pop up, go ahead and tune in for a few minutes. Because Darius McGee, this kid can flat out play. And Liberty, they're probably going to go dancing this year. Might not be a big name. They are going to be a pain come March. The Dayton Flyers, again, might not be a household name. They're not like a top 25 kind of school. But Anthony Grant has Dayton playing really, really good. And after last year, they went 24-11. and 11. They finished second in the Atlantic 10. But the crazy part about Dayton... They won all those games last year with the youngest team in Division I basketball. They had one junior and one senior. Now Anthony Grant, guy that has proven he coached a little bit in the SEC. He's a pretty good coach. Now he has all those kids back. The Dayton Flyers are going to be a team that could even creep into the top 25. They're that talented. Keep an eye on Dayton. Our final kind of Cinderella-ish team I would give you. Not a household name, not a big blue blood program, but a team you might want to watch. The St. Louis Billikens, 
They are going to be the team to beat in the Atlantic 10. St. Louis just had a 23-win season last year. They went to the NIT. But here's what's encouraging. Another good head coach. You might recognize the name Travis Ford. Travis Ford's team did that. Won 23 games. Went to the NIT without having their A-10 preseason player of the year, Javante Perkins. Perkins, in his junior year, he averaged 17 points a game. But he blew his ACL last year right before the season. And so the Billikens didn't even have him for the year. And they still won 23 games. What might they do this year with everyone back? Hey, college basketball, we don't really care until March. But you might just want to keep an eye on some of the teams that we talked about today. Kind of keep them in the back of your head. Hey, how are they doing? How are they progressing? Because when it comes March and it comes time to fill out those brackets, you might want to be a little bit ahead of some of the people that you are competing with. Now, as we do so many weeks here at the Daily Dose, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. The NFL season is, of course, now actually past the halfway point. If you tuned in last week, you know we broke down the NFL at the midseason. But, you know, the NFL, it's kind of funny. Because I am convinced the National Football League, it's like a weekly mystery series. We think we know who did it. We think we know the murderer. But we have no idea because things change so fast in that league. We look around the league and you see surprising teams on top of divisions right now. And you say, well, I guess that team is really good this year. And then they end up sliding back. Or we look at a team that is struggling to start, and we say, well, I guess they're not good this year. But we still have so much football to be played. Things will change. Teams get hot. Teams cool off. Injuries take place. And sometimes team chemistry can rise and fall. And these things all change. And we know this because we see it every year. Today, our Daily Dose Top 5 counts down five NFL teams that started poorly, but somehow pulled things together and actually made a playoff run. Hey, maybe your favorite team in the NFL is off to a bad start. I know mine is. I'm just telling you this. Don't give up hope quite yet. Maybe soon in my situation, but don't give up hope quite yet. Let's go ahead and jump in. We start off at number five. And we go back to the early 80s and we go to a team that is actually showing some life this year for the first time in a long time. But back in 1980, the New York Jets had gone 4-12. and And there really wasn't a whole lot to feel good about. So in their 1981 opener, when they got blown out 31 to nothing by the Buffalo Bills, it kind of just felt like more of the same. Okay, the Jets are bad. They were bad last year. They're going to be bad again this year. And then they went out in week two and they lost to the Bengals. And then they went out in week three and they lost to the Steelers. Okay, well, the Jets are 0-3, more junk. They're going to be terrible again. But then they beat the Houston Oilers. Then they tied the Miami Dolphins in Miami. And so now the Jets are 1-3-1, and but not a whole lot to feel good about. But then their quarterback, Richard Todd, he began to improve a little bit. And I feel like a lot of that was because of a running back the Jets had by the name of Freeman McNeil, 
who began to get better and began to pick up yardage and began to take some pressure off of Richard Todd. And then, of course, the Jets' defense started to improve. They had Joe Klecko. They had Mark Gastineau. They began tracking down quarterbacks and wreaking havoc. And despite the fact that the Jets in 81 started off just 3-4-1 and one at the midway point, the Jets won seven of their last eight games to finish 10-5-1. They actually made the playoffs. They would lose a close game in the wildcard game to the Buffalo Bills again. But after that start, who even thought the Jets would get that far? The 1981 Jets rallied from a 3-4-1 and one beginning to become a playoff team. And for that, they come in today at number five. We arrive at number four. And we actually don't have to go back very far for this entry because we all remember the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles upsetting the New England Patriots and winning Super Bowl 52 with backup quarterback Nick Foles leading the way. Well, after that big win, the following season, we all expected them to go right back to the playoffs. They're going to be a title contender again. They have Carson Wentz back. They're going to contend. They're right there. But the Eagles season started a little rough. They began the year 2-1. and one, But then after they lost an overtime game to Tennessee, the Eagles went on this weird stretch of like 500 football and like bad football. They'd win a game. They'd lose a game. They'd win a game. They'd lose two games. The Eagles were just 4-6, and six, 10 games through the season. Only six games left to play. But then Carson Wentz got hurt again. Now, I don't want to blame it all on Carson Wentz, but when he did, back came Nick Foles. The Philadelphia Eagles would win five of their final six games. They made the playoffs as a wild card, and in that wild card game, they somehow actually managed to even win. They beat the Chicago Bears on the infamous double-doink field goal before eventually losing to the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round. The Philadelphia Eagles went from four and six and looking like they had Super Bowl hangover, they're not going to be any good, to actually winning a playoff game. But at the time, not many of us saw that coming. And for that reason, the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles come in today at number four. We reach number three. And we get to a team that was so divisive. Some people loved them. Some people hated them. And I'm not talking about nationally or worldwide. I'm talking about right in their own city. Why? Well, it's kind of complicated. See, the Denver Broncos had gone 4-12 in 2010 with quarterback Kyle Orton at the helm. And it looked like we were pretty much ready for more of the same in 2011 because the Broncos started that year 1-3. But in week 5, at home, they were getting pummeled by a not very good San Diego Chargers team. And so the home crowd here at Mile High was really letting head coach John Fox have it. They were screaming. They hated Kyle Orton. Bring in Tim Tebow. They wanted to see Tebow. We don't care if he's good or not. We want to see Tebow. John Fox finally relented. He pulled Orton. He puts in Tebow. And a weird thing happened. A very odd situation in Denver developed. Because the Broncos had a really good defense. They had a decent running game with running backs Willis McGahee and Noshaw Moreno. But I mean, Tebow, he couldn't throw the ball downfield with much accuracy. But 
when you have a quarterback that can run, it does put some pressure on the defense because that safety that's just back there lurking, taking away deep routes, he kind of has to keep an eye on the quarterback a little bit. Hey, Tim Tebow wasn't pretty, but with that defense and that running game, somehow the Broncos won six games in a row in the second half of that season. Denver scraped into the playoffs with just an 8-8 eight eight record, but because they had won their division, they actually got to host the 12-4 Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, we know what happened. The Broncos went into overtime. Tim Tebow connected with Demarius Thomas for an 80-yard play. Walk-off. One play. Playoff win. Yes, the Broncos will get destroyed the next week by the New England Patriots, but who cares? Tebow mania was a wild time in Denver. And what's crazy is even here at that time, there were people that loved it. This is amazing. This is so much fun. And there were people that hated it and hated Tebow and didn't even want him to have success. And again, I'm not talking about nationally. I'm talking about here in Denver. Weird? Yes. But one of the most amazing turnarounds from a team that we thought was dead ended up not just making the playoffs, but winning a playoff game. The 2011 Denver Broncos come in today at number three. We land at number two of times the NFL teams started off slow, but then really heated up and made playoff runs. And this time we go back to 2014, where the Kansas City Chiefs were hoping to make a playoff run. Hey, head coach Andy Reid, he had quarterback Alex Smith. He had tied in Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs had a pretty stout defense we thought, with Derek Johnson and Justin Houston. Those guys were tackling machines. They could put pressure on a quarterback, too. The Chiefs won their opener against Houston, and then they proceeded to lose five straight games. In that stretch, that defense that was supposed to be good, they gave up 28 points per game. However, like good coaches do, Andy Reid regrouped his team. He got his defense to settle down, and after starting the season just 1-5, the Kansas City Chiefs rolled off 11 straight wins. They would beat the Houston Texans in the wild card game before eventually losing to New England in the divisional round. But when the Chiefs started off 1-5, no one saw the Chiefs turning things around like they did. But that's why we see how the last half of the season plays out. Because sometimes we don't see these things coming. A team can get hot, a team can learn, a team can improve and evolve, and a good head coach like Andy Reid, he can get a team to do that. The 2015 Kansas City Chiefs come in today at number two. So we reach the number one slow-starting NFL team that made the playoffs, and we go back again to 2014, where the Carolina Panthers were favored to be a contender after going 12-4 in 2013. They had monster quarterback Cam Newton. He seemed to be coming into his own. They had a pretty solid defense, too. The Panthers started 2014 2-0. They were feeling good. And then they lost two. And Cam Newton sometimes had accuracy issues. They won a game. They tied a game. And then the Carolina Panthers proceeded to lose six games in a row. Their record dropped to 3 Eight and one. Well, hey, that's a wrap. Season over. There's only four games left, and you're three eight and one. There's no hope. But the Panthers played in a really bad division. They played in the NFC South. 
So when they blew out the Falcons and the Saints, they scraped out a couple ugly wins over Cleveland and Tampa. The Carolina Panthers somehow finished 7-8-1, and and that was good enough to qualify for the playoffs. And again, they didn't just get in. They had won their division. They hosted a playoff game. They beat the Arizona Cardinals in that wildcard game, and they actually won a game advancing to the divisional round before being knocked out by the Seattle Seahawks. Again, I know right now we're looking around the NFL and we're penciling in this team that has started off strong. And we're crossing out this team that has started off struggling a little bit. But now comes crunch time. As we get closer to Thanksgiving and we get closer to the holidays, we're going to start seeing the true contenders begin to step up and show themselves and find ways to get wins when they need them. As our Daily Dose Top 5 showed today, don't be surprised if the teams at the midway point that we looked at as favorites might change a little bit. Because as we saw today from this Top 5, things change quickly in the NFL, and they can change drastically too. Hey, next week on The Dose, it is Thanksgiving week. And as we prepare for one of my favorite holidays, you know you might have to go around the table on Thanksgiving and say what you're thankful for. And if you're not quite sure what to say, make sure you stop by the Daily Dose next week. We will help you out a little bit, but we will also keep you up on all that is going on in the world of sports. So be sure you tune into the Daily Dose next week and be sure you let a friend know to do the same. Hey, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening to the Daily Dose every week. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for going over to DailyDoseSports.com and checking out the new things going up there every week. But more than anything, thank you so much for sharing the show, for sharing the videos, for sharing the articles with someone that you know. We absolutely love it when you do that. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all next Wednesday. Have a great week, everybody. And in those days, Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on them.